0: That will full of fright I grabbed that
1: I was with the devil below In his great big fiery hall
2: Where the devil was giving a ball I checked my coat and hat And started gazing at the merry crowd Who came to witness the show And I must confess to you There were many
0: there I knew Hello hi At the devil's ball
3: At the devil's
1: ball At the devil's
0: ball Welcome to The Dispatchist, a cheerful conversation about eternal damnation. I'm your host, Jacob, and with me are... Victoria. Jamin. And Jason. Yay! So with me this week, we have a special guest host, Jason, who will be joining us for our topic and prattle. Uh, So (laughs) I wanted to begin this episode with a new segment, uh, Insert Musical Cue of Getting to Know You.
3: Can we sing it? Um, Getting to know know you, you, getting to know know
0: all all about you. Maybe we shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Hi. So, Jason, where are you from? Uh, Well,
1: I live here in Austin, uh, but Uh I I grew up in Kentucky and lived there until I was 21. And I came to the University of Texas at Austin to go to graduate school And stayed here ever since, with the exception of a year that I lived in Japan.
0: And we wanted to start with some kind of frothy and frivolous questions to learn more about you. So if you wouldn't mind, what is the fate of an unbaptized infant soul?
1: Well, I mean, I suspect it's the same fate as everybody else's soul. But I do uh, think about a really common uh, cultural belief in Japan. Which is the belief in Japan in uh, Jizo Bodhisattva? Uh, Jizo is the basically the patron saint of children and travelers. And as a Bodhisattva, you know Jizo was all enlightened. He was uh, ready to fall into Nirvana, and he's like, "Now nah, I'm gonna stick around and uh, help the souls of kids." And so he hangs out with the souls of kids while they wait for their parents to join them in the afterlife, and he protects them with his robe.
0: I hadn't heard of that. When, when I was last researching what happens to the souls of infants in Japan, there was a kind of a sad story about them being left on a river. that They had to build a little tower of pebbles to get out of, but demons kept knocking the pebbles over.
1: That is correct. And so Jizo is basically looking out for them in that entire scenario. And That's nice. He, yeah. And Very he'll, he'll try to keep the stones up. And there's a whole ritual where you can like go and take stones and put them by Jizo so that he's got a little extra... To to keep the the stone towers up for the kids.
0: I didn't know. That's sweet. It is sweet.
1: Yeah, he's pretty popular in Japan. Yeah. What he's is? How do you it? spell it? Just J I Z O
3: Jizo. Jizo. I've never heard of that. So you said he protects them with his robe?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like they can kind of hang out in his robe when they're not building the stone towers.
3: Oh, cool. Yeah. I've never heard of that.
0: So a, a big robe then?
1: It's a pretty big robe. I mean, it's an infinite robe, probably. Mm, very very mother hen.
3: <laughs> a, a, a robe of carrying, or what is it in D&D? Uh...
0: Robe of many pockets. <laughs> does, it, does it have many colors? Was that not a real question?
3: <laughs> Everything's a real question.
0: Uh, Hell News. A friend of mine linked me to an exhibition of very early Dante's Inferno art. It's from the 16th century, so not super far out from the writing of the book itself. This is a bunch of pencil sketches by Federico mm-hmm. Zucari. And if you can make it up to Italy to see this, the exhibit is called to see the stars again. So that's kind of a line drop from the very last portion of the Inferno where they climb across Satan to reach the Purgatorio. And there's all these stars above.
2: And they say famously, my God, it's full of stars.
0: Yeah, that, that yeah. is absolutely
2: true.
3: Oh. Well,
2: Classic Dante.
0: And the illustrations are very pretty. They, they remind me of later Durer stuff.
3: I really like the Lucifer drawing because it looked so much like, uh, is it Vitruvian Man, Leonardo da Vinci's dude? But the Lucifer is in that same position.
0: But in fairness, Lucifer actually had three heads.
3: In the Inferno? yes. Oh, ah, see, I've, I'm pretend, like I still have not read the Inferno. I know this is one of my things. Like I've never read Moby Dick, and I've never read the Inferno, so we're going to inferno. I know, we have to so, deal with that. Mm-hmm. That could be a little side project that Vic reads the Inferno. But it also was like some of the stuff looks like William Blake too. I mean, of course, Blake is later, but perhaps inspired. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've got some hell news. We've oh. got some hell news. I don't know. <laughs> I'm suddenly Violet Garb. And this builds on Jacob's earlier news. Jason, I don't know if you knew this, but we're actually a Stealth Sandman fan podcast couched within a hell podcast. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Yes, so, turns out, the filming of a TV series is underway, but it's it's been uh, clouded in mystery. But Jacob posted about uh, them filming the 24-hour diner segment. Oh. And now they've released some of the cast. Oh. But they haven't, they, we still don't know who Death is. But I didn't recognize anybody. But so Morpheus is Tom Sturridge, who I had no idea, but he actually looks pretty good. Okay. And then it looks like Lucifer is being played by a woman from Game of Thrones. Oh, neat. Mm hmm. That's plays,
0: interesting.
3: I don't, I've never watched Game of Thrones, but she plays some kind of really badass, I think.
0: That's going to really set us up for a crossover with the Wicked and the Divine series when they release that because their Ooh. Lucifer is a very cute yes. David Bowie androgynous girl. And uh, so I can see some crossover potential there.
3: I, I, I know of, of that because Jason gave me some of those books.
1: Well, then I was also thinking like, I mean, Sexy Lucifer of TV Lucifer. I mean, oh, that's yes. really if you think about the Sandman verse that Sexy Lucifer from the TV show is yeah. the Sandman
0: Lucifer. That's mm. true. He is. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause he's, amb- he's ambiguously like he's, he's open to, he's open to all experiences.
0: So Neil Gaiman did say, you know, when asked if we were making a Sandman TV show, he's like, yeah, it gets real. We're filming 24 now.
3: Yeah. I'm both terrified and excited about that. It would that, be an intense
1: episode discussed.
0: for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Presumably Netflix knew what they were getting into. <laughs>
3: Oops. I hope so. That's the one, like, I don't know. I've, I've suggested specifically like people read Sandman. I, I, that's the one that I trip over. Like, are they ready for that? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. That's like intense. Mm-hmm.
0: So did anybody bring anything to the party?
3: <laughs> Who wants to go first? You, always. I my mouth is moving, so I suppose I will go first. So, um, given that we're talking about satanic panics, um, I wanted to provide the antidote, which is a demonic tonic. And I have mm. two two kinds of demonic tonic. For those of us who are alcoholics, it's a delicious Belgian Strong Golden Ale um, from the Enlightened Brewery. Very delicious. And for those of us who don't drink, um, we've got a demonic tonic that is an actual tonic based on a home of folk remedy that is uh, apple cider vinegar, onion, garlic, mm-hmm. ginger, Citrus, turmeric, Urr. other spices, peppers, and it's made by Happy Pantry.
2: I'll also is it a gulp
3: of joy or horror.
2: Oh, it cures vampires. That's for
0: sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. a non noncommittal gulping from my end. So is this part of the British rhyming drink tradition?
3: Uh, let's yes, yes. Let's just say it is. It's okay. it's cockney oh, yes, of cockney drink rhyming
2: <laughs> with certainty.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I I am always one who learns uh, and actually uh, was inspired by you, Victoria, when you were like, you know, fat is delicious, which explains why last week's uh, zucchini milkshakes were delicious, right? Mm -hmm. So I went one step further and I made avocado soup. Mm. Uh, Ingredients, one ripe avocado, one fried stick of bacon, a little bourbon barrel smoked black pepper, put it in a pot and uh, let the magic happen.
3: You got soup. Yeah. That sounds really good.
0: This sounds yep. a little too realistic. Is it cooked or does it just sit there?
2: I, I don't know. It's still on the pot downstairs. So okay. I'll, go, I'll go check in a bit. Okay. Maybe an appetizer at this point.
1: I brought a song, which nice. is a little conventional, but it's also very period appropriate for what we're going to talk about today. Mm. And that Ooh. is uh, Devil Inside by oh. In Excess. Oh, nice.
3: Nice choice. Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: I brought some entertainment, uh, being bitten by kidnappers.
3: Oh, wow. That one's clear and to the point. It
0: is.
2: Yes. Does it say where? (laughs) Um,
3: Nose. Nibbled on on the nose.
2: Are are your noses being gnawed? Right this (laughs) very moment, sir. (laughs) So this week's topic is
0: meditations on the satanic panic scare, period of American nightmare folklore running from about 1980 to 1992 or so. Ooh. Although you can make a case for it beginning much earlier than that and ending at least Yesterday. January 6th of this year. We could go yeah. from there.
3: I would uh, argue for the for the long the long version of the, the satanic panic wow, that begins in the 70s.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. I do kind of want to say that our podcast aspires to be a whistling in the dark sort of podcast and this is a fairly serious topic which we will now proceed to treat with uh, a certain amount of Mocking derision and cheerful reminiscing. Utter irreverence.
3: I don't know about mocking derision. Fondness? Fond joking? <laughs> definitely
0: we'll aim for a lighthearted look at this one.
1: Mm-hmm. I was going to say part of the joy of distance through time is being able to look at something ridiculous and being able to say that's ridiculous because it's impact. I mean, let's we'll, we'll talk about QAnon.
3: Yes, you could draw a line. Yes, uh-huh. so
1: we don't mm-hmm. have the luxury yet of, of really enjoying QAnon being ridiculous. Uh, I sincerely hope that in a few years we will be able to do so.
3: Right, yeah. So maybe it's a Gen X kind of like distancing of things that we have not yet dealt with.
0: The story of the satanic pedophile conspiracy runs from like 280 through the internets so it's a it's a long and storied story that uh we won't get into too much (laughs) yet yet we've got
3: we've got centuries we've got centuries to go
0: fair so did any of us actually live through this period i mean chronologically all of us did but it, it came very near to my world but i don't think really intersected it very much
1: oh yes it was very much a part of my life in high school and actually thinking about it it had, it kind of had different manifestations. So, you know, back in elementary school and middle school was when we first started talking about like playing records backwards.
0: Right. Yeah. There was like the seventies muddle of a lot of different strange energies coming together that would create the eighties scare. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. Exactly. And I think that's a good way to put it. That kind of muddle, it was never really, it never really crystallized in those times into a kind of Full on narrative, but it was very much like, a, you know, if you listen to, I can't remember. I mean, we talked a lot about Prince and sex when we talked about backwards lyrics, but this was, but also if you listen to heavy metal album insert here backwards, you would hear Satan.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And the, Beatles, the Beatles. The Beatles were the. Yes. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear more about the Prince and sex stuff though, because I mean, playing Prince forward, there's plenty of sex. So, like, is it just, you're just unlocking a whole level of achievement when you play Prince backwards? No, I
0: play tried, backwards, there's yeah. a, messa- a message of abstinence.
1: I think, it was, I think it was actually both sex and maybe a Christian thing. Like, it would be, like you know, uh, I think there were some that were like...
3: Because he's a Jehovah's, was
1: it... What, what, what level, are we, can we say the F word? The yeah. F word is used uh, sometimes in the backwards lyrics, but also there was stuff like... Jesus is the way, kind of, that was what we would say Prince was saying backwards in 1999. I'm getting
3: very mixed wow. messages. Yeah. That is fascinating. That's
1: was very Prince.
3: But please tell us more. So there was
1: that, and then, and, but we had, I mean, the full-on satanic panic we had was, I, I would have been a freshman or a sophomore. It was earlier on in high school. And this was something I kind of saw and heard. And I I guess I can start with the climactic moment of it was when uh, our principal got onto the PA system during his morning announcements and concluded his morning announcements with, there is no Satan worship here at this high school, which of course (laughs) confirms to all
3: listeners (laughs) that
1: there was Satan worship at the high school. This was the culmination of several weeks of, uh, there was a group of People that everyone was talking about that were, there was a kind of guy who was like the, like, we were like, he is the Satan worshiper. And then there was a whole kind of set of circles of people that you, we knew, some we knew more better than others who were at different stages of being tempted into the Satan church by the core Satan dude.
0: I'm guessing this is like 88-ish or so hmm
1: Yeah, Did, yeah. eighty-seven, eighty-eight.
0: It seems too early to have the goth click.
1: Actually, someone who ended up... And there there were a couple of folks that were close friends of mine, and, and we got closer as high school went on, but who were... I guess you could say that they were loosely affiliated with this. It was like, well, they're not... I don't think they're actually saying this, but, you know, she's a little gothy, or he likes Iron Maiden, so... But, you know, she's my cousin, so she's cool. So there was this whole, like, what are they or are they not? They're, you know, the kind of gay vague of being part of the satanic clique. And, and it was very much a phenomenon where if somebody was kind of, depending on the, the strength of their social ties in the high school, was how, I mean, it's very much an othering process. So if, if somebody had strong ties and they wore Iron Maiden shirts every day, the Iron Maiden shirts were relevant because they were okay. So, think, yep.
2: Mm-hmm. When this, uh, when the Satanic worship wasn't happening, what wasn't happening? Where wasn't it happening? Like, what, what exactly wasn't going on in room two B at two p.m.?
1: Uh, well, and that was the the, I, I, the interesting thing about the structure of I think the Satanic Panic was it. It never felt. That, I mean, it was very. It wasn't centered around media. People weren't talking. I mean, even with the heavy metal references is kind of a a false flag. Like there was no like nobody was getting indoctrinated into Satan by heavy metal. And no one was getting indoctrinated into Satan by Dungeons and Dragons. It was more straight up like there's a church out in the country. And this is Kentucky. This is like a Hmm. rural area. There's a church out in the country where they're doing Satan worship. And this guy lives out in the country, and he's doing Satan worship with his folks, and he's bringing the Satan worship to the school. I mean, you can kind of imagine all the overtones of that in terms of class, in terms of Hmm. kind of semi-urban versus rural cultures in this part of of the state. But that very much was the overlay, was Satan worship was something that was happening with weirdness out in the country.
0: Hmm. I was reading a lot, uh, Satanic Panic by Jeffrey Victor. It's a 1993, very heavy social research book on on this one. One thing he mentions that I thought was kind of interesting was the rise of the Satan scare really kind of peaked in the Rust Belt where social pressure, economic pressure was at its worst. And it kind of goes hand in hand with that. When there's financial want, there's more stress. When there's more stress, there's more othering.
1: Yeah, that sounds very resonant. Thinking about it, that seems to be very much an undercurrent of what was going on.
0: Was it just that guy or was it a specific guy? I'm just kind of curious.
1: I mean, it was a specific student who I did not know very well. I mean, he was kind of a few degrees away from me. He, he had some disciplinary issues in the first place. And mm-hmm. part of what spurred the satanic panic was, I, I think this student had a suspension. So the student was, and everyone's like, "Well, he was suspended because for Satan worship." Yeah,
2: Mm. (laughs) yeah. So troubled kid to begin with, right? Then is wow, yeah. And then the story spread. Okay.
3: So, did people believe it? I mean, how did other people respond in the school to this?
0: It really
1: took over, and and I think it's one of those things where it's like, what is belief in those moments? Is it? you know, a deep and an abiding feeling that this is true or is it that kind of like the pleasures of going along with this story see yeah. the downsides or maybe the quandaries of, of what you're doing at the moment. And then, you know, I, I, I mean, cause I, w- I would say that if you talk to everyone six to eight months later, they'd be like, was that kind of saying worse? But they'd be like, of course not.
0: And there's kind of these like levels of belief. Like there's, kind of wanting to go along with it like you said like being like this is a part of the fun and um just kind of being part of this is the local story but there's also this sort of the more like QAnon style belief is well a lot of people are saying this and I'm not going to disregard it entirely sort of thing yeah. and that, that's also kind of a safe hedge your bets the unitarian universalist church's newsletter is called the latitudinarian which is the idea of knowing one thing but believing another and Useful theological word. Interesting.
3: I've never heard that before.
2: It's a UU thing, sadly. So, going back to high school, uh-huh. which none of us want to. Nope. At the time, right in the heat of the moment, what was the reaction? Were were more kids carrying crucifixes around? Did you wear your Christian band t-shirts? Like, was there a pushback? Was there a, not a resistance, but uh, an admission of identity? I'm not a Satan worshiper because I'm X. Like, was there any reaction?
1: That's a good question.
0: I'd wonder if the kids even really cared if it was mostly a parent thing. Oh, also true. Uh,
1: it, well, I mean, this was, as a as a group of students, I mean, and uh, again, I was very much kind of on the outskirts of this. And at the time it got to me, it was, it was like kind of the topic at school. So it was, it was, the hot thing to talk about. I, it's a really good question about the kind of Christian identity resistance to it. I'm trying to think through that. There was just so much Christian identity in my school in the first place. I'm, I'm trying to recall whether any of that was kind of like trumped up or, or, or kind of made more visible as a counter to it. Or if anyone's like, well, we're going to try to save this person. Mm. Um hmm. I do think there were some discussions around, especially there was. I think the I want. I do want to preface by saying, like again, my memory is terrible, so <laughs> some of this is is my maybe my imaginings. But there was this guy's girlfriend, and I know that she was discussed a lot as this kind of like, well, is she getting pulled in? And she seemed to be like one of the people most at risk. Right, of being pulled in. Oh, interesting. And, and I'm trying to think whether there was an, I'm sure that there was probably some conversation about well, can we save her? Can we go to Christian methods to kind of, you know, help get her out of this? Because it was a very Christianized environment. And so I'd be really surprised if that wasn't bandied about as kind of a corrective to what was going on. But as far as it being like, you know super prominent in a way that wasn't just like the water we swam in.
2: Okay. Uh, so yeah, I can I can definitely see on on Wednesday night Bible studies during the time people get together like all right y'all let's say a prayer for Christy. We don't want her converted to satanism. Right, exactly. Particularly at risk were blonde-haired, blue-eyed girls.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm-hmm. No, also no, no, that no
2: I'm from Texas, not Kentucky. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs>
1: Very similar. I was listening to a podcast
0: about a Canada scare where Satanists were going to storm the town and kidnap blonde-haired, blue-eyed girls. Of course. Yes, Mm -hmm. in in large quantities. This is kind of on the level of War of the Worlds-style scares for a few minutes at least. Mm -hmm. City Mm -hmm. under siege.
3: So, Jason, I don't know. We haven't really talked about this a whole lot. But um, what were your beliefs when you were that age? I mean, did you believe that, yes, Satan is real And this is something to be feared or?
1: So at the time, I was, I I was brought up Christian. I was brought up, uh, the denomination is called Christian Church Disciples of Christ, which is basically Methodist. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I was, I was brought up Christian, but very much that kind of like, kind of Godspell Christian kind of like, it was pretty positive. There wasn't a lot of focus on hellfire and brimstone in my church. There was a lot of God is love. Which was a little different from, I mean, the town as a whole, um, I would say that the majority of the population, well, I don't want to say majority, but there was a, a, a significant segment of Southern Baptists. And I would say that the kind of schools culture that I went to was more Southern Baptist and I as a kind of hippie Methodist was a little bit in the minority. So did I think about hell a lot? Not really Did I believe it existed Probably because that was just You know part of the brief um, <laughs> uh, Was I worried about like For me like uh, Was I worried about like Satan Infiltrating my heart and mind No you know I, Most of my psychology was occupied with Being in the closet so
3: You know it kind of, <laughs> It's a whole other a whole other thing set of mm-hmm.
1: stuff I, I had to worry about
2: <laughs> Having spent some time in rural Kentucky, I can say the closets up there are a little bit darker. <laughs> so, yeah. And now we're here in Texas.
3: Yeah. Mhm. My god.
0: We got a little of the scare in Austin, not not so much uh at my school. I was in a crazy rich subdivision, but it did it did hit in um Oak Hill. There was one of the canonical day schools that was that had accusations of
2: Yeah, that one surprised me.
0: Yeah, child abuse, satanic child abuse leveled at a day school, which is one of the big-er myths of the Satan scare is that this stuff starts at day schools, in some ways reminiscent of the Salem Witch Trials where kids aimed accusations at the women they were close to. Mm -hmm. The odds of a group of schoolteacher ladies engaging in a massive sexual abuse ring is, is fairly low. Yeah, but the Austin one was only like, kind of reconciled like five years ago, I think they finally dropped the charges and gave some financial award back to the people that, that had that.
3: What, what you said about girls accusing women that they're close to, that's also the San Antonio Four, which was yes. um, four lesbian women who were accused of molesting children and of course were perfectly innocent. But it's also, yeah, like, like there's baked in this fear of you know, sexuality and there's so many different layers to it.
0: The Satanism allegations are always kind of this bundle of otherness. They're directed not any specific idea of the other, but this kind of nebulous things that make patriarchal society upset. The sixties and seventies had this massive, like new age religion, the hippies rising up the summer of love period and a lot of, and the actual church of Satan as well being kind of cobbled together in that period too. But all of these, Things are kind of the soup that, that generated the, the Satanism scare. You know, part of it is just this rejection of the other of these philosophies that are contrary to you know good American society.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, which I wonder. I mean, there's a, a really good documentary called The Last Gospel of the Pagan Babies, which is a, a documentary about the queer and punk underground scene in Lexington, Kentucky, in the... 60s through the 90s, and it, which is it's a fascinating documentary. It's it's it kind of small release, but you know th- there were stories like Rock Hudson actually owned the gay bar in Lexington. There were I mean, we t- hung out with Tennessee Williams. I mean, it's it's grand, but it was very much this like you know none of this was spoken about in Kentucky, and and to know that there was this kind of cultural tension right? Like there were these significant subcultures happening at the same time the satanic panic was a hmm. thing. And, and, you know, and to your point, Jacob, it, it, it almost wonder you wonder if that's something reactive or some attempt to control and that it's manifested in this different way to kind of, you know, a, 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 a religious veneer for patriarchal culture, trying to reassert itself.
0: Historically that the, the Satan is the, the other, um, and usually a religious other or societal fear, other, um, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago in kind of the what does the devil look like where the devil frequently looks Jewish. And that's kind of the same sort of set of ideas. The Jews were an other society that was contrary to what established Christendom believed. So they said Elaine Pagels, who does a lot of really wonderful religious history, has a book called The History of Satan or something along those lines where she talks about how over and over again Satan is just a, diff- a mask that we put over the other and a lot of the stories that kind of feed into the satanic panic, like the ritual baby killings and the way they're killed. like There's one supposed satanic ceremony that's like baby tossing, where a group of Satanists get together and throw the baby from one to the other. And when the baby finally dies, that person gets to be in charge of the cult for a while. Makes as much sense as any other method of establishing hierarchy in a pagan organization. Um, <laughs> but that one that one carries down to like, Fifteen hundred, And then the other forms of this kind of blood sacrament go back to 200, where the Romans were alleging that the Christians did this. And then the Christians said the Gnostics did this. And they just kind of levied the same charges on every major heresy for 700 years after that.
3: Have y'all seen the It's a Terrible Movie? I think it's called Mother with Javier Bardem, where he – I won't ruin it, but – Oh, please do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think it's Javier Bardem, in it, and I think it's called Mother. Um,
1: it's the J, J, Jennifer Lawrence, too, right?
3: Yes, yeah. yes, uh, yeah. It's um, it is so weird. Have you seen it?
1: I've read reviews,
3: so it's unclear, like what if it's the if he's Jesus or is he the devil? Is she Eve? But there's some there's baby tossing. There is some baby tossing. In that movie. And so I'd never seen that before until until that movie. I do not recommend it. The movie um,
0: or baby tossing?
3: Both. As
2: a concept, this is relatively new to me. Baby tossing. Okay. hmm And movies. Like
3: how <laughs> cool are those guys? The the big sk- it's
2: amazing. And I, I just like I'm wondering, is it the time for dead baby jokes or should we move on? There's going to be a dead baby episode at some point in time. Okay, I'll save it.
3: You can't really talk about hell without talking about babies. Some babies are going to get tossed. Yes. That's just the that's the cost of doing a hell podcast.
0: Or, the, or wrapped in dough. That was another good one. The sort of the, oh,
3: I've heard of the... The, 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 um, the baby bun. What is it? Encrute? Is that how you, when you oh, wrap that's something... A,
0: that's a great word.
3: Is that it? It's like, uh, yeah, babies encroute.
1: The story of hell where babies are swaddled in bread... Which just seems random, not particularly evil.
0: It's not so much that. It's that, again, early initiates into Christianity were supposedly – I mean, it was a very satanic order at the time, if you ask the Romans. Mm -hmm. Because the emperor at the time was considered a god and the Christians would only acknowledge one god, which is, you know, J.H.V.H.
2: And Uh, Jason, the babies are wrapped in dough and then baked ah uh, right no. that's the okay. that's the key that that's no a, they,
1: yeah, that's a key no they,
0: yeah no, like they, they were baked later later they were baked into communion wafers too at first they were wrapped in dough and then the new initiate into the christian cult would beat them with a stick and then find out oh my gosh there's a baby in this surprise surprise and then everybody would eat the baby
2: after being baked
1: so oh so the baby was kneaded into the bread essentially
0: yeah
3: I feel um, like the
0: details are unclear on this. I think
3: it's like a pig in a blanket. But I I guess there are many ways to bake to, to consume a baby and yeah. bread. It
1: seems like a very threes Company way to sacrifice a baby
3: <laughs> like, some more, like, it, doesn't have to, it doesn't have to
1: be that bad cat, really, to but.
3: Right. Like, why do you have to, like, it seems overly precious Gross. to, like... It's also
2: the person doing the beating. Imagine it's like, hey, you want to come join my cult? Cool. Here's test one. Two shots. Here's test two. Run around the block. Here, number three. Here's a big lump of dough. Uh, knead it as best you can, right? And he's, you know, drunk. He's tired. He's just smashing away, trying to impress everybody. And then the truth of the horror is revealed. You son are now one of us. You have yeah. committed the atrocities. You can't shake that. That's exactly what the story was.
1: And you've really overdeveloped the gluten. Like, <laughs> oh no, yeah. That's not going to be a uh, baby aside. That's just not going to be a good loaf of right?
3: Hmm. So the, <laughs> right, uh, like you waste a bunch of dough
0: Jeez. The, the author of this particular bit, um, Minusius Felix Was relaying a story the pagans were telling about the Christians that were in their, their culture uh, He went on to say they worshipped the head of a donkey Which is a very common like early trope The Jews and the Christians worshipped a donkey god Or they worshipped the genitals of the presiding priest I don't know, kind of could go either way on that one uh, the novice takes a child covered in dough and deceived, stabs it, and they drink the blood of the child. It's terrible. On their feast days, they gather with all their children and sisters and mothers, people of all sexes and ages. And in the dark, they twine the bonds of unnameable passion. Uh, incest in the dark, another very common uh, yep.
2: mm-hmm. trope.
0: And the best line is of this bit is, precisely the secrecy of this evil religion proves that all these things, or practically, practically all, are true.
3: Yeah. I love that line. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah
0: is great the very Mm -hmm. secrecy proves the truth of that and that carries forward for centuries
3: Mm -hmm. just like the um kind of suppressed memories that prove that something terrible terrible happened right Mm -hmm.
0: well it's very hard to disprove a powerful conspiracy have you seen the Geraldo episode on the satan scare
3: i saw it i saw it when it came out but i haven't seen it since i'm i'm a little afeared to to watch it again it's it's hard medicine
0: during I mean, the first like two thirds of it he's kind of credulous is that the word for believing anything people tell you and doesn't really counteract anybody but you can see him starting to weaken when he's asking like one of the victims who's telling her story who's explaining he says something along the lines of well where are the babies where's the the evidence she says well either we we ate the babies in communion wafers, or they were burned, or they were put into concrete and made into bridges. You know, cover all the bases.
3: Wow, I need to watch that again. I mean, Ooh. Geraldo, like he's got such a such a storied career.
0: He did apologize later for the whole Satan thing.
3: Yeah, that's true. I did. I I remember that. And and um the twenty twenty one the um I remember the exorcism too. Ooh. Mm-hmm. They, I do They filmed a, 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 a live exorcism. Oh, they did? Wow. Mm-hmm. What? The- yeah. I feel like I, <laughs> cause I graduated from high school in 84. And I don't know, is this a good time to tell to tell my story? Sure. Of kind of leaning in to, to the Satan, <laughs> to the, the the Satanic panic. I don't know if it's because I grew up in a more Catholic city, I suppose, where it just seemed that it wasn't as like Satan, devil, that just didn't seem as foreign, I suppose, that he probably was already with us every day in high school. So, you know, no big. But my story involves this kid who I wouldn't say in the hierarchy of high school, I wasn't one of the popular kids, <laughs> as you may imagine, but I was sort of I was sort of on the like I was sort of an independent, let's say, like because I didn't fit into any of the groups. So actually, I got along with most of them. Oh, that's nice. It was a yeah, it was pretty. It was a it was a survival te- uh, tactic, but also yeah. it it came in handy. I think my friend Sharon and I, because we were those kids, and we were the kind of new wave kids in the high school. Um, We attracted a lot of people who didn't really have anybody else to talk to. And so one of these kids, let's just call him Chad. So Chad, the best way to describe Chad was that he was a mix of Damien from The Omen. Like the way he looked. He looked like Damien from The Omen and Angus Young from ACDC. So like if you merge those two with a little newsy cap and (sighs) (laughs) just kind of dressed like like that every single day of high school, like, yeah, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get chicks by dressing like a, 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 <laughs> <like> a, a <laughs> walked
0: off the set of Heathers into your school.
3: <laughs> exactly. And so poor kid, like he was interesting because he was intru- into a lot of really interesting stuff. Like he was into D and D and he was into fantasy and he was into like, he read, a, you know, he was into Lovecraft and, and all of these things, you know, another, one of the few, People that I knew in high school who also, you know, knew what Clockwork Orange was. And so, like, we would talk to him quite a bit. But one day he came to school and he kind of called us over to like a part. We, we had one of those Panopticon style high schools where uh, it was like it looked like a fortress on the outside and everything faced inward to a little courtyard.
0: Oh, yeah. The weird commons. We had one, uh-huh.
3: too. Yep. So we were like in some corner of the commons and, and he had this like velvet cloth And he said, I have to show you something. And so he unwrapped this velvet cloth, and there were these four wooden stakes in it, like these really old-looking wooden stakes.
0: Ooh, red flag.
3: (laughs) So, of course, (laughs) Sharon and I were bored. We're like, what are these stakes? So he told us that for a while now, he was awakened at night by voices in his backyard. And so he would go outside and there were demons like all these demons would be kind of frolicking in his backyard. So he said, you know, over time, he sort of like became friends with the demons. They gave him these stakes. He said that these stakes were for protection and something bad would happen if he didn't have these stakes. So he explained like the story of these stakes. Like I think he he, he, he aligned the stakes with the crucifixion in some way I can't recall exactly, like, they weren't exactly the stakes of the crucifixion, but they may have been Jesus adjacent, like they were, like, Barabbas, or was, he was one of the, he was one of the thieves, right? No, you're
0: thinking of Dismas.
3: Oh, okay. That, he, like, it may have been, it was one of the other, one of the less, the other guys on, um, is it cavalry?
0: Uh, Golgotha.
3: Oh. (laughs) Every I'm getting it all wrong. I
0: could play this, I can play this game forever.
3: I'm just gonna like hitting balls to you like wrong biblical references. <laughs> Maybe the um, demons gave them a spare. Like you <laughs> you got the
1: three for the stigmata and then just one one to grow on.
3: Exactly. Yeah, we never quite did the math or like really questioned the story because it was just like so titillating. And I think this is part of it too. Like there's titillation, you're so bored when you're a kid and you kind of want like this connection to something dark, right?
0: Everybody just spins things to be interesting with anyway. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
3: And so Chad um, showed us these stakes and he said, now, you know, I just wanted you guys to know in case something happens. And <laughs> so we're like, okay, okay. And so after that, like we kind of built, like we kind of worked ourselves into a froth about oh, yeah. the stakes because we knew Obviously, that this really wasn't true, but Sharon actually was Christian, so or Catholic, and so I think she may have believed it a little bit more than than I did. But I kind of wanted to believe it, and so we worked ourselves into a froth, and we started things started to happen, just really simple things like little coincidences, but we started to attribute them to the stakes. Okay, like we would go to. The, uh, we'd go to UTSA to use the library there and we'd be walking in the parking lot and it'd be creepy and then suddenly all the lights would go out.
0: You know, that, that could
3: happen anywhere. Yeah.
0: But the, qu- the coincidence game.
3: The qu- Yeah, and so just like little things like that, just like When we'd be talking on the phone, suddenly the phone would go, dead. you know, just weird little things like somebody weird would be following us. Like people follow you all the time, especially when you're a teenage girl. So, but we just sort of worked ourselves into this little froth about these stakes. And so like every so often we'd find Chad and we would ask him like, is everything okay? Like what's going on? And he'd be like, well, you know, the demons are a little worried that I told you, So, of course, like we just started to get even more frothy oh, about all this. So, we were just kind of like afraid to go anywhere or to talk about it or do anything. We felt kind of burdened by this knowledge and then suddenly Chad wasn't at school anymore. Oh. So, yeah, we never knew what happened to him. But soon we we kind of forgot about it, which is again the thing that happens with teenagers, but you know, thinking looking back, it was probably There's probably a much actual darker story going on that we as 16 year olds just couldn't pick up on, you know, much with the kid in your high school, Jason, there's probably like some other really tragic personal story that nobody really wants to deal with. So they ascribe this occult understanding to it and even the people going through it, like Chad, this was his way of coping or not coping with what was happening. But yeah, I think I think about him a lot and wonder, you know, whatever happened to him. I've tried, <laughs> I tried to find like demon stakes. I typed in "demon stakes" to my work computer <laughs> as you do. <laughs> Turns out I couldn't find anything. But there is some guy who is selling these kind of like Christian little stakes that have sayings on them that are supposed to like help like root you in your christian practice i have i have i have another encounter with demons that i'll save for another episode i'm mildly
2: surprised that vampires were not involved at all right you yeah. said stakes and i'm just like okay this is gonna get good and it yeah. did but vampires weren't until like
0: 1990 or
3: so it's true like, we weren't really into vamp well, no when did the hunger come out because that's really what sent sent at least me on my vampire was Lost Love Boys 1990. <gasps> Lost Boys too. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was 87. Yeah. Okay. We were just a, we were on the on the precipice of Lost Boys. Right. I feel like the
2: 90s was really the era of vampires. Vampires mm-hmm. as cool, but I mean you knew what vampires were. Well, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. 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 I don't mm-hmm. know.
3: Totally. Well, yeah. there's a
1: pretty there's a pretty decent Venn diagram overlap between Jesus and Dracula. Mm.
3: Mm-hmm. So, oh. you know. mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. It's true. I mean, mm-hmm. So, it, But I think the hunger, the hunger was out when I was in high school, because I remember the guy that both <laughs> my, my friend and I had a crush on, and she ended up dating. He came into school one day, dressed like Sting, wearing the English Beat t-shirt. And he just like, he grabbed the trash can and came over to us and said, we're out of ice. <laughs> and we thought he was so cool because he was quoting the hunger.
0: Oh, it's not just about... Not just about ice. I would have, I would have been swayed as well.
3: Right? I yeah. mean, that's like that's some pretty that that's some moves right that is there. Moves. Mm-hmm.
0: for high school.
3: Yeah, yeah, for high school. Yeah, and yeah. he was dressed like Sting. I
0: mean, yeah. So high school in '85 would have put you like right at the peak demographic for the Big Satan scare because it was kind of it peaked in like '88 or so, but it was just starting to reach like. The beginning of the road uphill in 85, that's when uh, the 2020 episode, The Devil Worshippers, came out. Mm -hmm. Like 85 to 88, Geraldo is in there a lot. And you're kind of, that's like the rise to that period. So getting in before it was cool, really.
3: That's just the story of my life, man. I'm always ahead of my time.
0: (laughs) Freaking hipsters. So the general (laughs) chronology of the Satanic Panic, in the 60s, 70s, you have this kind of mishmash of... Eastern influences, some actual occult scares uh, like the Jonestown mass suicide and things like that. Manson. Uh, Manson, Manson. Yeah. The the, uh, the Procter & Gamble Satanism scare. That yes. was a weird one.
3: I remember that. Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of scared of those products to this day because of that.
0: So if you don't know this one, apparently the, the logo of Procter & Gamble at the time, it looks kind of like the man in the moon or Zeus looking eastward. But it's got like a 666 worked into the curls of his beard and scary horns and things like that. And it got so intense that people were spreading rumors that the chairperson of Procter and Gamble was giving money to the Church of Satan. Yeah, was... that's
3: familiar. Now it's just a boring. Le- it's just the boring letters.
1: <laughs> I mean, it was a boss logo. That was a really good logo. It was beautiful. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. In
0: 1980, a book was published called Michelle Remembers. This one is probably the big thing that kicked off the the decade. Michelle Smith was one of those. Buried Memory folks, she and her therapist recorded 500 hours of screaming and satanic stories and things like that. Uh, A lot of these blood ritual type things, Satan breeding, it goes on and on. Later on, she and her therapist, uh, Lawrence Pazder, got married after divorcing their spouses. So that's a wholesome relationship there. Michelle Remembers was used in training and presentations and things like that for years and years and years later. It's been widely debunked at this point. There was a a Wiccan constable uh, and author, his name is Kerr Kuhlain, gave a good quote on this. He said, isn't it odd that an immensely powerful and sophisticated satanic conspiracy was outwitted by a five-year-old girl? (laughs) But that book had a really long tail and a really long legacy. It was used to train social workers for a long time. And the therapist, Pazder, acted like an expert in satanic ritual abuse for years and years and years.
3: Wasn't it what started the whole Bakersfield, California scare as well? The Kern County scare because the, the social workers had all of them had read the book and these girls came forward with these stories of abuse.
0: Yeah, I think you could probably draw a fairly direct line to them because the ritual child abuse storyline became developed was developing over like 82, 83 or so vague fears of kidnapping and vague memories of Satanism and the recent press and things like that coming together. But yeah, the satanic ritual abuse stories that spouted up in McMartin in Los Angeles, that was the first big Satan trial situation that was 1983. And they were likely drawn fairly significantly from that book. Mm-hmm. Certainly those were in the air and therapists would be saying things to the kids like, well, did did this happen? And they might allude to something from that book. Um, yeah.
1: Well, and even, I mean, even uh, Satanism aside, that was such a, such a topic of the day was the idea of repressed memories of abuse. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes part of a satanic, uh, uh, you know, conspiracy, sometimes, you know, separate from that. But that was, yeah, that was everywhere at the time.
0: The full panoply of the McMartin preschool trials, which lasted like seven years and ran $15 million. It was one of the biggest trials ever in America. Uh, it involved Chuck Norris.
3: Chuck Norris?
0: Yes, he was implicated by the children in, in the school. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, unlike a list of photos of people that have abused you, Chuck Norris was on the list. Wow. Flying also happened. And three generations of McMartins are put on trial, including the grandmother. It was a lot of a lot.
3: Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. Wow. Yeah. That just seems so random like a gazillion like uh, why not malcolm mcdowell i mean he <laughs> looks more evil
2: he did make an awful <laughs> lot of terrible movies
0: well the kid it was a little boy identified him from some cards saying do you recognize these people there and he said yeah chuck norris was there a lot of this is just the things that little kids uh latch on to so that's why in the 1991 faith chapel satanic abuse scandal uh, which is really, I think, one of the things that really killed the movement, the the, the scare, I don't know, the period, was that uh, the children were accusing their volunteer babysitter of killing an elephant and a giraffe in a satanic ritual.
3: That should be a tell,
0: I, you know. It's a little, well, again, that was mm-hmm. kind of the beginning of the end for this entire strange period.
3: Well, here, so so this this, this actually has inspired, in my mind, a really good icebreaker question. If you were to accuse a celebrity of satanic ritual enacted upon you as a child, what celebrity would you choose?
0: Martha Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Without hesitation.
3: Uh, that was really quick. I
0: mm-hmm. have a love hate relationship with her. <laughs> she's not she's not aware of me. But she Are did, you
3: sure about that?
0: She did stand me up. She is
3: now. <laughs> no, I was
0: I was going to make cookies for her. I had made a large tray of red wine coffee biscuits just for her. And she stood me up.
3: So, okay. You can't just throw that out there. And
0: so I, I, w- I worked for a television station and she was going to visit the studio, but instead she went downtown to see Austin city limits.
3: Martha, I Martha, know. Martha, Martha, Martha. If you had to
2: think about who could draw the best summoning circle, Martha Stewart has the talent, the creativity, her summoning circle would be
3: beautiful. It's true. Her it babies in Korea would be outstanding. It would
2: be. Or, mm-hmm. on, on a similar note, Bob Ross.
3: <laughs> no!
2: <laughs> He's too happy and pure. There's no happy little trees in hell. No.
3: I don't know. Like, should it be somebody you're attracted to? like just you're fascinated by? I or? was hesitant
1: to ask that, but is it like who you think is most likely or who do you,
2: who do you want? Take you to hell. I
3: think it could be anything, or is it just somebody who was like somehow was important to you as it as as a child or like in some way is is important to you. Like just because I I have a very weird one, but I want to hear what yours is, Jason.
1: Mm. I don't know. You know where I go is when I was a kid I watched The Incredible Hulk and I was mm-hmm. scared but intrigued and so I am kind of wondering if it's like Lou Ferrigno in full Incredible Hulk mm. uh, makeup gear. Uh,
3: I like that. Which is definitely
0: I'm definitely
1: falling on the side of attracted.
3: Mm-hmm. I could I could one. I could see that. Yeah.
0: Big and green noted Yes. Uh-huh. And, yep.
3: and
1: yeah and in demonic light, you
0: know, as the Hulk. Nice. So uh-huh. you and Hellboy are you a thing with him?
1: <laughs> I could see that.
2: Yeah. Okay,
0: okay Jamin, Who would be your
2: celebrity ritual uh, abuse I, crush terror? I am flashback. I am terrible at celebrities because I'm not really a celebrity name knowing person.
3: Just describe. Describe one, and we'll guess. <laughs> <laughs> this will be fun. We'll we'll assign you one.
2: I don't. I don't watch a lot of movies or TV or stuff. And oh, okay. Here we'll say this: Who wrote *Pern*? Anne McCaffrey. Anne McCaffrey uh-huh. secretly a Satanist.
3: Is she in real? For, no, for in, in real life, oh.
2: she's <laughs> super. She's super anti-religious. <laughs> okay, when she crafted okay, her uh-huh. novels, she's like, in this civilization, there is no religion. There's mm-hmm. dragons. There's rocket ships. There's yep brains that sing and fly and spaceships. And and like in every press conference they were like, well what about what do these people No, there is no religion in my world. Okay. So ironic Satanist.
3: Uh Uh-huh. No. Like, how
2: do you hide it? It's like, oh, obviously she's not a Satanist. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Best cover. So
0: you started this, Victoria.
3: I think this person is my spirit guide because I dream I have no real I have nostalgia based centered around this person, but I have no attraction for this person. And then nostalgia is not based in like actually liking this person's production; it's just pure nostalgia. But I also dream about this person more than anybody else that I've ever dreamed about. Oh my! And that, and it's not anything, you know. It's it, nothing untoward. It's just like this person just shows up in my dreams a lot, just doing stuff. Bob Seger. Wow, yeah. So Bob Seger, because I I don't know, like I feel like there's I, there's a lesson that I need to learn from Bob Seger so that he'll get out of my dreams. <laughs> wow,
1: and into and into your car,
3: <laughs> and into my car. I swear, I, I I know way too many Bob Seger songs just by virtue of growing up listening to the radio. And somehow there's something about Bob Seeger that I am supposed to learn from. And so I would, as I probably would like, yes, of course, that is the, that is my satanic abuser is Bob Hm. So you're just,
2: you're just dreaming and you and Bob Seeger are riding motorcycles or uh, yeah. like grilling like hot dogs. Lunch. Yeah.
3: Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. No bigs. It's Rambling. just like, it's just Bob. He's just yeah. there again. Like, oh, sup, Bob. Yeah. we're working on our night moves, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you couldn't,
1: yeah, you can't let that slide. Come on. So
0: (laughs) So one of the thrills for this podcast for me has always been finding new words that I hadn't heard of before, which when Mm -hmm. you get into theology, there's a lot of little tiny fussy words for corner cases around 92 or so. There was an FBI investigator and I've, listen to a little bit of an interview with him on a great series about this this period, Gimlet Media's Conviction, American Panic. It's like eight episodes, and it parallels uh, a Texas story of a family that was accused of satanic ritual abuse with the national trends as well. And towards the end, episode seven, I think, they have an interview with this FBI agent, uh, Kenneth Lanning, who talks about attending a police training seminar and listening to these people and just realizing that there is, there's no, there there. Where are the bodies? (laughs) Where's the evidence? And so he wrote, it must be like 30 page document. It's called the FBI report on satanic ritual abuse.
3: Mm, I saw that.
0: Yeah. I can link to a, a, a version of it that there was society for religious tolerance posted where he talks about kind of the, trends that might cause someone to bring an accusation of satanic ritual abuse, what Satanism might look like, the difficulty of defining Satanism. Uh, He has a great line that's children rarely lie, but they don't always tell the truth. Hmm. Mm Hmm. Points out that a child with an older brother in the house can get exposed to all kinds of horrible things that might ruin their delicate innocence that isn't actually a trait that children possess. He describes a lot of different ideas of Satanism, like the the child the the kid vandals that are spray painting pentagrams on a gravestone or something like that. This kind of laissez faire, slack kid Satanism that that high schoolers get into. So, looking for a term to describe these sophisticated, complex, conspiracy based Satanism ideas, where this powerful conspiracy can hide all evidence, masking bodies leaving nothing behind that are complex philosophical and moral attacks at the same time as containing actual sex abuse elements, baffling for investigators, probably because they didn't actually happen. You can't investigate something that didn't happen. He calls them multidimensional child sex rings. Whoa. I confess to being a little disappointed uh, by the actual definition of that word, but I love that word.
3: So it's not like like multi-like multi like the multiverse it's like oh there's just lots of dimensions to
0: yeah yeah the um that's a shame religious tolerance.org website says uh many victims many accusers it's kind of this this cloudy and difficult to pin down and therefore difficult to defend against accusation but multi-dimensional child sex rings
3: wow which leads us back to the whole QAnon thing really yeah
0: yeah Mm -hmm. it's uh it's another another episode of othering in the great history of Satanism scares. Uh, this time, othering uh, liberals really kind of bite by, by implication. Uh, anything that threatens patriarchy gets attacked, and that's part of that scare. And the stories resonate because they've got seventeen hundred years of history behind them.
3: Mm-hmm. Have y'all seen the um, the police training videos about how to recognize? Ritual crimes.
2: No, there, no. There, there
3: are several that are on YouTube, and they're cringeworthy for a variety of reasons.
2: Mm. Mm. I'm, I'm already cringing.
3: <laughs> you could just imagine, yeah. It's a lot of uh, trying to trying to seem relevant while talking about something that is insane.
2: So we started in high school, Satan worshiping. Uh, let's let's go back and end up here in, in high school Satan worshiping. Um, my my high school story is really the saddest because uh, the one cute gal uh, was part of the Wiccan coven and they used to hang out on top of the mausoleum and drink Jack Daniels and make out and I never worked up the courage to ask her out. Like I I just I missed out, man.
3: You really did? Yeah,
2: like, oh man, it's so cute. And like the, the black dresses and the black like arm thingamajiggies and the Jack Daniels and the smooches, man.
0: I have one for you. Another word that I kind of liked. Uh, this was, again, I picked this up in the Satanic Panic book. The idea here is that high schoolers, particularly if they're trying to be in late night horror movie sort of thing, they'll go out and go on road trips to these haunted sites or they'll go to find some place where bloody Mary apparitions happen, and they'll hang out there and smash beer bottles against the wall and write pentagrams on the wall and that sort of thing. And so a lot of the satanic scares were kind of a result of these high school rite of passage parties that usually kind of had a sort of drug and alcohol element to them. But the term for that kind of categorically uh, is legend trip.
3: (gasps) Legend trip.
0: Yeah, Legend trip. So like going going to the place in San Antonio where you sprinkle flour on the hood of your the trunk of your car and watch. Like getting all your friends together, having a few too many, and going to see that is a legend trip. So I went to Wikipedia and typed in Legend Trip, and one of the top hits on their list of Legend Trip
2: sites was the Pope Lick Trestle in Louisville, <gasps> Kentucky.
3: Oh, so uh, okay.
2: Jason, have you heard of the Pope Lick Monster?
1: I have not heard of the Pope Lick monster. What is, uh, tell me about this. Okay. He's quite hot. Um, See, this is
3: the, oh. there's the, yeah, that's really where we landed was that he's fairly yeah. attractive. Yeah,
0: ha- Half mm-hmm. man, half goat sort of thing in Kentucky. Doesn't kill too many people, but probably killed a few. Uh, hangs out on the Pope Lick Bridge in Louisville, oh, Kentucky.
2: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. So fine mm-hmm. product of your local industry there.
3: Louisville.
2: Wow. Louisville. So you Louisville. may have to Louisville.
3: look up a picture yeah. of Louisville. I'm looking right now. Like, put,
2: mm-hmm. put, a, put a piece of cotton in your mouth and say Louisville. Louisville. You
3: caught me
0: last week when I tried to pronounce New Orleans badly.
3: <laughs> and you're, st- you're still doing it.
2: I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: It's okay. It's 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 your quirk. It's a quirk. I actually asked
2: uh two or three of my family up in Louisville, I was like, Hey, hey, I just learned about the Pope Lick monster. I, like, was this a thing in your high school? And all of them just looked at me with this blank stare and was like No. So Aww. Yeah. I was really hoping, Jason, that you would like pull through and be like, Yes, he and I dated <gasps> once in sophomore I'm year. So sorry. <laughs> I'm so
3: that sorry. Be, we don't know. We don't know that you didn't date the Pope Lick Monster. I, you know, I mean
1: uh I, I'll never kiss and tell oh <laughs> fair, very fair I accept
2: that
0: <laughs> well Jason thank you so much for joining us Absolutely. it's been a treat and thank you um, for having
1: me yeah this is wonderful Yeah, a fun time period
0: to uh, cast some light on more or less and uh, nice to talk with people again um, so um, I guess we'll see you in hell podcast is copyright 2021 by the dispatchist and its creative commons you're welcome to reuse with attribution look for us on your favorite podcast app say hi to us on twitter or gmail at the dispatchist no spaces check out our website dispatch.ist for more episodes show notes and a variety of hellish resources